Welcome to episode two of the Evolve podcast. We're excited today to bring you Dr. John Cottrell. John is a psychotherapist who spends the majority of his time teaching yoga. John has a great story, and we're excited to share with you his evolution and his career and how he uses cognitive practices combined with movement to help people to move forward in their life, including moving past periods of trauma. So without any further ado, here's Dr. John Cottrell. This is getting better and better. Look at that. Yes, sir. Yeah, baby. Hey, I'm I'm getting close. Steve, Steve, I got this thing going Steve, on. You're, you're not in the club, Steve. No, you're not in the club. Sorry. <laughs> well, we well, talked about this last club. week. Miles was trying to decide whether or not he was going to uh, just go all in and and shave it. Who the hell cares? I'm going all in. Oh, you, can t- you can tell by John and I that going all in is the best move you'll make. So. It, yeah, it's it's great. Okay, so do you, do you guys think you guys think I need to shave my head? Is that what you're saying? Not if you got hair. I mean, you got hair. Not, yeah, Steve. Not, not unless not unless you're trying to win a receding hairline contest, Steve. <laughs> not winning that. You, you won that back when you were 19. Come on. Yeah, you probably well, you won that back in, uh, in sixth grade. I have crippling depression. But, I'm, but, I'm, but I, I won it and I moved on. So, you know, I evolved. That's, I uh, you guys, so speaking of moved. elementary school, I don't know if you guys know this, but John skipped like five grades back no, in elementary, no, right? No. Yep. Why, why am I not surprised? <laughs> five grades. We're sitting here talking to Dr. John and there's no surprise so, so, because John, you so skipped- we keep- True to form, I'm, I get to continue to be the dumbest person in the room. That's fantastic. Thank you. Why do you think I asked you to be on the podcast? Because <laughs> I, I make good popcorn. Oh. <laughs> I don't have any of that. John, what did you skip? One or two grades? Just, Just one. one. Okay. We want to we want to get to that story. Uh, so, John, thanks for coming on as a guest. I've already sure. started the recording because we decided that with three buffoons like us, that uh, the conversation was just going to start and we're going to start the podcast a little bit different uh, without an official introduction to start us out. All right. Uh, but we really appreciate you coming on. <laughs> Obviously, you are the best looking, you are the bodybuilder, uh, but you bring an interesting perspective to, to all of this. And uh, not only are you an interesting guy, but you've got a doctorate in uh, psychology, right? Yeah, that's right. That's awesome. And what that's I think awesome. is has always fascinated me about you, John, is you are one of the nicest, most introspective and thoughtful people I know. Um, but with this doctorate in psychology, you have chosen a profession to teach yoga. And yeah. to um, you've started your own yoga business called Embody, where you coach people through um uh, on a personal, and then you, you teach yoga classes to, to groups and you've started your own clothing line, which um, is wonderful. And, you know, we can talk a little bit about that as well, mm-hmm. but you know, John, I'd love to hear a little bit about how did you go from evolving as a psychologist into uh, teaching yoga? Well, it's, it's interesting. Cause I mean, I, I think all along, even as a pretty young guy, you know, even in high school, probably even before that, I knew I wanted to become a psychologist, even at a point where I didn't even know what a psychologist really did or what. It's they... okay. Casey still doesn't know what a psychologist is. No. You may have to explain it to him. <laughs> I'm, take, I'm, I'm taking notes. Take notes. Yeah. Take notes. Psychology. S-C-Y-H-I. It's all good. (laughs) Right. I always knew I wanted to be a psychologist. And so I knew that my educational, you know, pathway was going to be that track. Yeah. Go to college, go to grad school and come out with the degree. Right. And so I was able to fulfill that goal. That's what I did and what I wanted to do. And um, ended up ended up in Salt Lake City, you know, because I'm from Oakland, California, did my schooling in the South Bay in Palo Alto. And uh-huh. so part of our part of our programming is to do with to do an internship. And so that's what landed me in Salt Lake City is I did my internship in Salt Lake for my psychology uh, degree. And I ended up staying here after I graduated and all that I ended up staying here. It was just a great place to live. And so so I had to kind of establish myself here, you know, yeah. um, as you know, as a psychologist or you know what what or you know what was I going to do beyond that 
um, if we rewind the tape a little bit, part of my, part of my, um, I guess, just keeping a level head <laughs> and staying sane and getting and being able to get through grad schools, especially, you know, I did other things, you know, in college, you know, I did some dancing and performing and just other stuff on the side, just things just to, you know, have fun, right? Yeah. Um, and so when I was in grad school, I, um, I got a, a summer job as, as, a, as a dancer and choreographer in a nightclub of all places. And believe it or not, that was my balance. It's like I was you know, cramming my head <laughs> with yeah. psychology knowledge in school, but then I worked at a nightclub dancing and performing and doing choreography. And so I just had these other, you know, things that are going on. And I also like fitness. I like, I like, because I like dance, I liked going to the gym, but I didn't lift weights at that time. I would go to aerobics classes and dance stuff. Okay, so, so now fast forward, Salt Lake City, here I am um, doing my thing. And so I said, well, maybe I'll join a gym. You know, I, I still want to dance and do that kind of stuff. Got into that. Um, and that's when I really discovered yoga. One of the places that I was just working out started offering yoga classes. And uh, I was like, let's, let's check this out. You know, I don't, I don't know what this is all about, but let me just check this, this, check this out. So I took a class and fell instantly in love with it because it incorporated everything that I love. One, it, it, it was movement and I like moving my body. So it felt like dance to me. So that was good. It was good for my body, like mm, this feels good. So I just practiced for a while. And then uh, later on, after I, I practiced for about a year, uh, I someone said, John, you should become an instructor. It's like, well, don't you have to go to India to become a yoga instructor? I don't know. I, I, I That's what got, you did, right, Miles? I ain't got time. <laughs> I ain't got time for that. I ain't got time for that. I ain't got time to find it's too hot. It's too hot in India. It's hot. <laughs> Ooh, child. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they've got. They've got. Me and India was on the second floor of Lifetime Fitness. <laughs> right. I met you both in India. Right. right? By that definition. Oh, That's gosh. funny. So, so, so John, I mean, so let's talk about that from dance to yoga. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's a, for those that don't know dance and don't know yoga, that could be a big stretch. How did someone convince you to go from dance to yoga? Who? good question. Um, Cause I was doing, you know, dance, you know, you know, on stage kind of stuff, performance, art kind of thing, modern dance, jazz dance right. in school, performing choreography. So there's that style of dance. Um, and where I was choreographing, you know, Broadway type show things, okay? And I think it's really just from my love of music. You know, I've always mm. had music in my life, right? Music and dance, it was just always a part of, you know, the scene, right? And it was just an, I think it was just a natural thing when coming to Salt Lake, because I loved aerobics, going to, you know, going, joining a gym, going to aerobics classes, because it was all dance oriented anyway. It just, it just fit. And then this yoga thing, again, not really knowing what this yoga was about, I said, well, let me just try it. And, but what it was, it was just the movement of the body and really feeling my body in a very different way, much mm. like you might experience it as a dancer too with choreography and just getting everything right. And you have to be so in tune and connected to yourself to get everything right. And, and so it just kind of showed up quite naturally in a yoga flowing class. Yeah. Like, okay, I can dig this, this works. So it just fit, it just fit. Because I think some people might think, well, yoga is just sitting around and you're meditating and you're alming and chanting and things like that. But there's a style of yoga, many styles of yoga where you're moving. I, and I was taking what's called power yoga. And it was very, it was gym oriented because this was in a gym. 
and you're flowing. You're I think moving. that's actually the first class I took from you was power, <clears throat> yeah. power class. Yeah. yeah, power class. Yeah, and it just fit. It just fit, and it just became something I just kind of did on the side for myself. I did become an instructor, and I taught up. You know, I I was I taught at this place where I was teaching. You know, where I was taking classes, and and it just evolved into, you know, someone seeing me teach. Hey, I'm I'm opening up a studio. Would you like to teach at my studio? Uh, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> it just became a weekend yeah. gig. You know, it's just this weekend thing that I did. You know, I worked as a psychologist Monday through Friday, but on Saturday mornings, you know, I was the yoga instructor. And so, really, when I look at these, and the, and I did this for a long time, they were they were really two separate things: psychology, yoga psychology, yoga. It really wasn't until I was at Lifetime Fitness where those lives- and Crazy people. They collided. The world- Hey, really I resemble that. Miles, yeah. <laughs> and, and, but, you're not, but, but you're not far off because how it, how it all kind of came together was because yoga, I got a job working at the yoga studio, I was running the yoga studio and, and working for Steve um, under the personal training program. And so because the, the trainers were working individually with clients, I mean, they were like therapists, you know? I mean, Steve can probably speak to this, you know, they see their clients pretty regularly. They kind of pour their hearts out to the therapy, you know, to their, <laughs> to their trainer, their therapist, right? And then I think, I can't remember who it was, but someone approached me and said, hey, um, I've got, I've got, I'm, I'm working with the client <laughs> and they've got some issues, I think, and I don't think I'm qualified. And because you're a psychologist, do you think you can maybe take them on, do some private yoga with them, but then, you know, kind of, mm, you know, get in their heads a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> Like, sure, when I, I don't I don't know where it started, John, but I do remember having that conversation with you. And I'm yeah. sure there were others that had it. I don't I don't think I was the only one. But at the time, I I knew where my scope of practice as a personal trainer and a manager ended. And I remember thinking to myself, hey, what if we got John involved with this particular client to do some yoga to help them out? Yeah. And I saw that evolution and I saw what you did with people. And it was, it was absolutely amazing how you could take the fluid movement of yoga and mix it with the psychological aspect and your training there. And, that's exactly, and it, was a, it was a beautiful thing. That's exactly well, can, I, can I add something? I yeah, want to add please. something and no. just see what your, what your take on this is. It's because... Um, I like how Miles just ignored the fact that I said, no, can, you can't add it. <laughs> <laughs> of course you can. It's your podcast. <laughs> What, what do, I, do I have to raise my hand or what do you do? <laughs> when, when I was teaching um, boxing at Lifetime, all kinds of stuff would come up. Right. And I remember um, Jennifer Salerno said to me, she said, why don't you take do the, teacher, the yoga teacher training? Um, and I did that and started teaching the, the class. Yeah. And what I had realized was through the boxing and teaching yoga, there was a huge disconnect for people who were even doing yoga from their bodies. Like they were doing the movement, mm -hmm. but they, it was, they, they didn't integrate their lives into the yoga. It was, it was almost like this funny, odd type of compartmentalization if I go here, I do this. And then when I leave here, I'm back to myself. And there was no connection between their outside lives and the hour that they would practice on the mat. So it, it seems like perfect, a perfect ground for a psychologist. And I don't I, know if you've had that experience, John. I, I, I did have this experience. And, and that's what really magnified the experience seeing that people were like you said compartmentalized it was just like i do this and then do the next thing it's just but never really integrating 
especially because I started out just teaching classes. So it's just a mass of people, right? Yeah. yeah. But it wasn't until, you know, there was that recommendation, hey, can you meet with this one person and do, you know, do some yoga. And so when I got to do that, I got to sit down with that individual, listen to their story. I mean, really sit and listen to their story, just like I would in a psychology office, psychologist's office, listen to their story. But at the same time, I'm thinking about, hmm, what kind of yoga moves or gestures or practice can we also integrate to help them kind of get through this situation that they're experiencing, whether it's breath work or a movement that represented something. That way they, they had something quite personal, you know, that we worked together on. And so then they had something and I would, I use that as the prescription, so to speak. And so like, okay, now, now you know how to do this breathing exercise, take that with you rather than leave it here in the yoga studio, take that with you out into your life and mm. practice it to see if that changes anything in your life. I had the same experience just working as a psychologist. People would come to my office, would have some great, you know, eye-opening moments, but then leave and leave all their <laughs> information in my office. I used to say, hey, you left your purse in my office with all your valuables. Stupid. Without the goods. <laughs> yeah. Because they come back like, oh, I don't know. I'm a mess. Like, well, because you left all your stuff here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, John, John, one of the things that I, that's always fascinated me with, or excuse me, fascinated me about what you do is you have integrated health and fitness and movement into your psychological practice. You know, I, for most people don't know this, but I started in college with a dual major of psychology and art. I've always loved oh, okay. art. I've wanted to oh, yeah. create art. I got so frustrated, you know, that I gave up the idea of uh, doing an art degree because of, I just, I didn't believe in what they were promoting in the art program. But I, I stopped psychology and my study of psychology on a, on a secondary or a, a, you know, the college level, because I went to sit with a couple of psychologists and clinical uh, social workers to see what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And I sat through a couple of sessions and I thought to myself, oh my gosh, I don't know that I can make it through these sessions if this is what I'm going to have to deal with. And so I switched my major probably a week later to exercise and sports science wow. because I wanted movement and I wanted, yeah. uh, you know, fluidity and I wanted to be able to change people's lives in a different way. And what I saw with you, John, and what I see you doing with your business is helping to integrate movement with the psychological aspect. And that fascinated me because I don't think anybody at the time was doing that, at least not at the level that you were. Here, here's what I learned, and and again, I think this was part of the evolution um, of my just kind of career, is I worked in, as a psychologist, I was working in um, drug treatment. I was working mm -hmm. at a, uh, I was working with injection drug users, folks that used heroin. And so, um, and I found out after a number of years and experience in working there that there was, a, there was a percentage, a small percentage though, a small percentage of folks, and this is across the board, not just in this area of where I worked, that I think talk therapy is effective. Very small percentage where I think just talking, you know, very analytical, very heady, I think a very small percentage actually benefit from that. What I later found was when I, because I was started to do small groups, in the psychology office. And when we integrated just very simple movement, it might just be walking in the room, walking in a circle in the room, you know, but very some, something simple, just movement of the body brought up stuff. It, 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 it got people experiencing their thoughts, but through feeling. And it was through movement of the body. And that's what I saw in yoga the light bulb came on when I started doing one-on-ones of yoga at lifetime, the light bulb came on that, oh my gosh, th these aren't two separate worlds. These work together. It's yeah. not just talking. It's not just movement, which if you integrate those two things, 
so much can emerge um, for with for someone. So yeah, I feel I find movement to be so so important um, in any kind of therapy. Well, I want to yeah. So I want to talk about a personal experience that you and I experienced, or well, that you walked me through. So I think after there was a point where you left Lifetime to go start your own business and you started to do a lot of a lot more with Embody and men's retreats and whatnot. Right. And I don't know how long it was afterwards, but I had transitioned into a new position where I was overseeing him. And not long after that, I had experienced something that to me was very tragic and very traumatic. Um, you know, I came upon a situation where we had a gentleman that had a heart attack in the gym mm -hmm. and um, myself and another uh, one of our personal trainers were the first two on the scene. And that was the first time I'd experienced anything like that. And that was the first time that I'd actually had someone pass away on me. And I remember after probably, you know, in my great man wisdom, it took me about a month or so to actually look, reach out and ask for help. But I hadn't slept for a month after that because of the trauma of that, waking up in the middle of the night, experiencing the cold sweats and the, um, you know, all of the feelings that came back from seeing and experiencing that first responder type situation. Yeah. And I remember calling you and talking to you about yeah. this and saying, John, what do I do? And mm -hmm. one of the things that you taught me at that time was not to just think through this and not to sit and have some sort of cognitive process, but to actually move. And if I'm up in the middle of the night because of, you know, a, I'm up, you know, with cold sweats, remembering what had happened, but you taught me to move and to work through that in my body. And so I would wake up um, with this experience and remember the sounds and the sights and the experience and the, the kinesthetic movement of trying to save this individual's life. And it was so real to me in that moment that I would have to do something physical. And that's something you taught me that uh, you walked me through that I would go um, paint. I would go uh, sometimes just do push-ups. I would punch the punching bag, something to work through it. But at the same time, go through that cognitive process and that emotive process that helped me to process through that. And I, I'll tell you, I hadn't slept for quite some time before coming and talk or before talking to you over the phone. Once I started to do that, it was amazing. I went back to sleeping on a normal basis. Wow. And then when I would wake up, I had a process and a system that I would do that wasn't just cognitive. There was a physical aspect to it. Yeah that helped me to work through that. So I can tell you from my own personal experience that working through things from the body and the mind mm -hmm. together, it's, it's amazing what it can do. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad that was such a, a remarkable experience for you, you know, as far as just, cause it was, it, it could be simple, you know, it just, really just tapping into well, what, what do you like to do? This is what I t ask people. So, well, what do you like to do? You know, you know, do you like to jog? Do you like to walk? Do you like to paint? Do you like to write? Do you like to take photographs? You know, it's something that you can physically do. And, and so, and it's a way of processing because it's, you know, yeah, we can just, we can get stuck in our heads, right? And sometimes we just don't have, and sometimes we don't have the skills of what to do with all that swirling around of thought and emotion in our heads. Yeah. do something it's funny how you um um when when i was um later on after you had left actually years after you had left they had started teaching um they had instituted a uh meditation program oh and um and in teaching meditation i used to have people before class really started i would have them sit there mm -hmm. and then we would just talk about I would let them um, have their minds wander. Yeah. I would let their minds wander. And then as their minds would wander to whatever it is or wherever it is it would go, I would have them look at their bodies yeah. so that they could see the gap between the mind could take you to past pains, past pleasures, future anxieties, future pleasures, but your body didn't go anywhere. And so sometimes I would use that flip the whole body mind thing to use the body to still the mind because the body is going nowhere. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you could be in, in, on the planet Jupiter in your mind. Right. But your body's still sitting in that studio. Yes. Yes. And when you start to see that, you start to realize, oh, maybe my body, you know, people get taught that their minds are the solver of problems. And sometimes that has to be flipped so that they can see that the body is a huge part of this thing that Western society has separated. And it's all one unit that serves to help each other. You're absolutely right. And I love that. I think it's a great way to help people understand meditation and doing meditation that because they because you had them pay attention to themselves sitting it, it was a, it was a really a, a, a reminder of being present you're still here yeah. you're still here you're not in the past you're not in the future you're right here yeah yeah just amazing and and to add to that um that physicality um where we can feel well, it's, well, yoga, I think the great, the, one of the great things about yoga, if someone wants to start yoga and they're like intimidated by it, it's that don't worry about it. Just go and just move your body because it's just about getting aware, being aware of your body because it, it's our bodies, like you're saying, is, our, is a wonderful signal. It's a, it, it's, it's a great grounding place to let us know what's happening in our heads or in our hearts. Just pay attention to what your body's doing. <coughs> Excuse me. Like, why, I have all, why do I have all these headaches? You know, why am I hungry all the time? Why does my back ache? Your body's telling you something. Uh, yeah. <laughs> your body is telling you something. And yeah. so we can do, we can, and then we can, we can take some mechanisms, might be yoga, might be psychology, might be whatever, to figure out, okay, well, let's see if we can figure out why there's that back pain. Yeah, it might be physical, but it might be emotional too, you know? Right. Yeah, because that's a lot first... of pent up energy. Yes. A lot it of really is. I, I know, John. You your first book was entitled "Yoga with Intention: A Yogic Journey of Life <coughs> from Awareness and Honoring." Yeah. So, really, when we talk about intention, and and I remember someone teaching me one time that yoga is not just about the going and putting yourself into a pretzel, but it's your life. It's your experience. It's you know, if you are painting, that's part of your yoga. If you are walking, that's part of your yoga. With that intentionality and bringing your body into this process, I think, um, you know, talk a little bit about how you've used different modalities, whether it's psychology or movement to help people to change and grow and evolve. Mm, Great question. Um, It kind of goes back to what I started doing in psychology and working with folks, you know, cause they were in their habits of these were, you know, these were injection drug users. And so they were trying to, so they were kind of caught in that pattern. Right. And so what I was there to do as a guide really as, and to give, give and giving them another set of eyes to look through is, you know, how can you kind of get out of, out of that cycle? So let's look at, you know, who you are, what do you like to do? So I always came back to that question. What do you like to do? Or what did you like to do? What makes you happy? So, so why do you use that question? I, and, and I'm not asking that in a negative way, because I'm a big believer in that question. Yeah. But why do you ask the question so much about what people like to do, what they're in, interested in? You know, I think people just want to be happy. You know, people just want to be happy. And and even though we might experience some trauma, difficult times in our life, you know, we can always find little glimpses of joy. And, and especially if we're caught up in a cycle that's just so dark and depressive, you know, that's really a time when we need some joy, right? And I think on an energetic level, and this kind of goes back to meditation as well, um, we're trying to reach that higher vibration of, you know, joy, appreciation, love, gratitude. Those are wonderful high, high vibrational feelings. And we can experience those things when we do things that we like, <laughs> right? You have fun when you go play ball. You have fun. You have a great time when you're laughing with your sister or whatever it might be. So that's why I like to ask folks, 
you know, what do you like to do? What brings you joy? That's, that's what I'm really asking is what brings you joy? And if you're not doing those things, how can you reintegrate those things back into your life? Because often it's, it's stuff you've done, obviously, because you know, you know the experience. You can think about old times when you laughed and had a good time. Can you recreate that? Can you now build that into the cycle of your life? I wonder what it is that makes people forget about some of the simpler things that bring them happiness. You know, does it is it is it like a lack of worthiness, or is it like a, a perceived as a waste of time because you've got this busy schedule? But why yeah, it's, people- a, it, it, it's an interesting question because I I think about you know I I I read uh, Eckhart Tolle's Power of Now, and as much as I love that book, I also disagree somewhat with the fact that he talks almost extremely negatively about this concept of history. You know, Casey and I were talking um, two, three days ago and giving each other garbage about uh, back in the day, we used to, um, we we were a part of a a church organization where for some reason, he and I were always the guys that on weekends (laughs) moved people, people moving in and out of our, our congregation uh, Casey and I got t- to be the uh, the two that were called upon to move people in and out of their uh, their apartments at the time. And as you can imagine, me being the strongest of the two, I moved much more. Than him, right? <laughs> that's a stretch. Thank you. And you know, <laughs> that's, a, we that's were, a yoga. That's a yoga movement. <laughs> yeah. So we were, but we were we were laughing and joking on the phone the other day about this and joking about the competition that we had, not just with who could lift more, who could carry more into the, the, the person's apartment, but also afterwards we'd go out for pancakes and to see who could eat more. And, you know, <laughs> Miles, you bring that up of, I, I'm a believer, and this is where, I don't know if I would disagree with Eckhart Tolle, because uh, he's probably way more intelligent than I am, but I, I do believe that there is there are no problems in the moment, in the now, right? But I think that there is a lot of benefit to looking backwards and seeing the, the, the beauty of history. And as Casey and I were talking on the phone the other day and laughing and joking and still trying to argue and debate of who lifted more and who ate more, um, <laughs> despite the fact that I'm a 99-pound weakling and he's like, you know, 500-pound strong uh, man. Um, <laughs> You know, there's a lot of joy in that. There's a lot of fun in that remembering, right? Even if it's think, uh, old fishtails, right? I think Eckhart was talking about the idea of living there. No, I, I get that. I get that. You know, because there's a lot of people who literally live in the past and people who live in the future and the present, the now, they just can't seem to acclimate themselves. And it would seem like if people live in the past and live in the future too much, two things that you really can't grasp anymore. I can see how that could create like the schism. Sure. Yeah. yeah. John, you're, you're what you said just now and miles, you're at, you know, talking about the, the what Steve was alluding to. I was okay, thinking John more than you. Well, that, you know, we all have dreams, but um, we, uh, <laughs> I, you know, on Christmas Eve, we were with some family and going around the room talking about what we're, we're grateful for this past year. And, you know, this, this past year has been quite the experience for everyone in whatever way it's, it has frustrated you, made you happy, sad, uh, caused whatever issues, right? Uh, we, nobody was, um, free and clear of what this year did. And when, I, when, I, when it was my turn to talk, and this is what, what you said, John and Miles triggered this memory, I expressed um, the simple things that our family did in uh, April and May that I'll, were probably the best experiences that we've had as a family with my wife and kids than in any big elaborate trip we've gone on or any major planning of anything. 
it was like, hey, let's jump in the car tomorrow. And uh, John, I don't know if Steve told you, I live in Las Vegas. And let's run out and drive through Death Valley. All right, boom, car, gone. Wasn't like, well, I don't know. I got to schedule that in because, uh, you know, no, you don't schedule anything. There's nothing going on. So we got in the car and we headed to Death Valley and just spent the day driving through Death Valley. Uh, I, I mean, we had all these stupid, funny pictures. You know, my oldest daughter and I, I don't know what her deal is. She likes taking pictures in the middle of a road with like, the, you know, there's no one around and it's just the road and whatever. So I, you know, I get out in the middle of the road with her and we're doing all these dumb poses and whatever, you know, but those are those things that you talk about joy mm-hmm. and, and, and miles, I love, I love your thought on that. And, and I think about joy can be so many times misconstrued with instant gratification Mm. and it's not in my mind in my lens joy has depth joy has purpose and joy has sustainability for relationships Mm. and for the evolution of the soul Mm. and i i love when that you brought that up because you know those moments those four or five day trips that we went on as a family i felt joy because of what we were about instead of what we were doing and and experiencing that time created joy that i can always remember and tap into that energy and that emotion when i need it it's you know i tell my my kids and 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 i use this at work i'm like you're you're building your toolbox of skill sets you're building your bank of emotions or your whatever you always make deposits because you never know when you're going to make, need to make a withdrawal. Yeah. And, and joy for me is that way. It's like those moments of joy that sustained me, uh-huh. I, there was no instant gratification. It was just, we sit and talk about I me mean, my, my kids like, that was so great. You know, they, I'm like, what about the, what about the vacation to, you know, the big time deal we went on? No, no, let's go to the beach again, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So that was really cool. That's glad you brought that up. There's a, there's a term uh, in psychology, uh, it's called evocative memory, evocative memory. And it's exactly that where, you know, we're in the present moment and maybe you're not feeling all that great. Maybe your heart is heavy or you're just sad or whatever the case may be. And you want to kind of shift your mood. And I would have folks um, think about a time when yeah. they felt very happy and joyful yeah. and just had some kind of an experience. Maybe it was a trip somewhere or just spending time with their spouse or their kids or yeah. something and have them recall that memory. And I'd have them talk about the feeling mm-hmm. and, and how, yeah, it was wonderful. We had a great time. We laughed. It was so wonderful. And so then I would ask them to, and so how do you feel now as you talk about it? Yeah. Oh, I can, I can, I can actually feel the way that I felt yeah. back then. Yeah, evocative memory is that you can recall, you know, memory that happened in the past and re-experiencing it, re-experience it today, right now. Yep, it's a great tool. It's a great tool. Yeah, absolutely. No, I absolutely. I I don't know the correct terms as you do, but I totally get it, and and I agree, and I and it's so benefited me um, throughout my life to tap into those experiences and to use those emotions as those, I guess, I guess I would say it this way, the same thing I was trained through athletics where um, I lay in a dark room hours before a game and I would go through my head. I would see myself perfectly doing my job on every play of every, of every down that I played in. Yeah. And I would do my footwork and my hands and my eyes and everything. I do it hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times, which I think was as valid for my brain as, as physically doing it as it is as real as that emotion from a year ago I can tap into and it's equally as real. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, John, I've got a question. So you're, you're the expert here. I remember, like Casey was saying, going through that process and experiencing something mentally, processing it ahead of time, and really seeing and feeling it. 
I, I read something years ago and I can't remember where it was, but it's um, my, my understanding, if I'm reading the studies correctly, was that if you visualize that you're making a connection neurologically with your body. Yeah. Now it might be on a very small basis. It's you're not, you're not taking it up to 11, turning it up to 11, as they say, but you're making a connection. If you're visualizing before you go do something, I, Tell us a little bit about that. As we create our new life, whatever we want to grow into, whatever we want to evolve into, like Casey was talking about, uh, visualizing ahead of time. What's the psychology? What's the what's the research or the background behind that? I don't know the specifics, but it's very you know neuropsychology, and you're tapping into into that. It's it's in our networks. It's 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 complicated, and it's hard to explain. You know, just to just anybody, yeah. right? But just that there's a neuroscience. All this it stuff is just information. It's data that's just in our workings, right? And so when we have an experience, you know, in the you know we have an experience. Now it's in the past. It's still kind of circulating through our systems. And so if we just take a moment to think about it, to recall it we can bring it back to the surface because it's still, it's just data. Just think of it as computer data and it, we can just access it through some mechanism. It might be thinking, it might be singing, it might be talking, it might be moving. We bring it back to the surface to re-experiencing it or, or remember it. Um, and so that's kind of looking at the past, but you can do the same for future hmm. as you're, you know, like you prepared for sports or training, yeah. things like that. And I, and I do this even in yoga classes and it might be we're lying down, for example, maybe we're, it's, it's, we, we've taken a little break in the class, we're lying down, people are just kind of catching their breath. And I'm about to explain the next movement. And I will say, and I'll explain it verbally, do it physically so they can see it. And then I say, now before you do it, I want you to visualize in your own head, going through those same motions. Yeah. And so it's a way of maybe re-accessing data that's already in the computer, in their bodily computer, or they're creating new data. And so as they start to kind of visualize it or just think about it mentally, they can start to paint a picture if they have that ability to do that. And then after they've kind of gone through the little movie in their head, it's like, okay, now try it, mm -hmm. now do it, put it into action now. Um, I think that's the most simple way I can express it, but it's, yeah. it's very, you know, scientific and biological, but it's, it's, that's neuroscience. And neuro it's the theory, there's the theory that um, the brain doesn't really know if an event mm -hmm. is real mm -hmm. or it's taking yeah. place in your head. Yeah. That's always been told to me that way. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. You think about when you think about how powerful a dream can be mm -hmm. Yeah. where you're there. And you're just laying in your bed sleeping. Yeah. And there you are, fully present in this other reality that for the most part is not real, but it is real to your body. If you've ever been jarred awake, you yeah. know, oh, yeah. here, um, wet dreams. Those are real. <laughs> and so that <laughs> I love that you went there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> John fell off John, the show on that oh, one. Wow, that's a that's a little I thought. I mean, that's a on, and I love that you went. No, but you're but you're right though. I can't tell you in the in the early years. So Danielle and I have been married 22 plus years. But in the early years, I remember arguments and debates we've had about dreams and how real. She said, oh, you did this in my dream, right? I would say, oh, you did this in my dream. It's all bullshit, but it felt very real. <laughs> right? and, and, and neurologically, in terms of how neurons fire, they fire the same way as if the event was real. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. I call, you know what I call this? I call this the, the karate kid theory. The yeah, karate, yeah. The karate kid theory. And that's, if you remember the, you know, the old movie, you know, the yeah. movie, you know, wax on, wax off, wax right. on, wax off. And so he's teaching this kid 
all these, you know, just menial things. Like, what? Why am I washing the whip? <laughs> yeah, pay the fence. Yeah, and and yeah. then of course all those skills. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> helped him on the mat, right? Yeah, you know, and I do the yeah. same thing. In, I do the same thing in yoga, um, where, you know, we're like the sun salutation, for example. It's just a series of poses, and and it's quite repetitive. And I tell people, you're going to get bored of this. It's, you're going to get repetitive. You're going to get over and over and over again. But the more that you get it into your body, <laughs> it's going to help you. When I start teaching you things like headstand and balancing poses and these binding things because we've we've created the foundation we've yeah. created the foundation yeah. of what comes next yeah, you can't evolve until your foundation is set that's it there's no way there's no john way. i will tell you you taught me that foundation there is not a time where i go to a yoga class i and, and i'll admit i don't go to a lot nowadays i used to go to yours quite a bit but if someone says the word chaturanga i think john Cottrell chaturanga with you because you taught me that basic move and whenever i'm stuck whenever i'm feeling like i gotta move through some sort of emotion some sort mm -hmm. of thought i do the chaturanga i go through the that whole basic oh, wow. what john Cottrell taught me back in the day yeah <laughs> and it's amazing what those basics will do to me i yeah. work through the the feelings the emotion I mean, it is some real raw stuff that comes out by going back to those basics. Back to those basics, foundation, hey, that is it. John, I wrote a question down when you started talking when we started the podcast. And Wait, I, Casey, no, you didn't. You can't write. No, I really, I did. Well, I, I, I texted Holly and she wrote okay. it down. So <laughs> that's, that's more like it. thank you. But uh, I, I, uh, it came in my head as you were talking because of your background with the path you've been on. Uh, it's fascinating to me. So, Mike, I wanted to ask you how you how you've stayed because it goes around being in the now and being present. But how you stayed the course in your personal evolution? How you stay the course? Well, you know, it is it's it is about that foundation, and I feel that over the years, you know, I've I've established um, a good base, a pretty yeah. solid base. Uh, I think both, you know, all physically, mentally, emotionally. Yeah, they get rocky and bumpy and right, right. at times, but I think for the for the most part, it's it's pretty solid. And so, especially for you know a, a year like 2020, when you just you know went on this roller coaster ride of shifts and changes, <clears throat> and your the rug pulled out from underneath you, amongst other things, you know, yeah, that certainly happened to me on many occasions. And I had something to fall back on. I had a foundation. I yeah. had a foundation. That's huge. And, and, it, it, and it was simple things. And it's, just, and it's things that I've even talked about. And we even talked about on my podcast with Steve when Steve was on. Um, just daily routines. Just simple things. Like I, one of the things I mentioned was every day, the very first thing that I do is make my bed. You know, it seems so, you know, non-important at all. But it's it, it sets the tone for my day. It's it's foundational. I do it every day. And, and even through the upheaval of everything that's going on, I still get up and I make my bed. You know, it's little things like that. We've got to slow down and think about, you know, not all the big things that we may have lost, but all the little things that are still intact. And they really yeah. are. Yeah. They are. That's huge. Good. Thanks, John. I really, that's, and that's Steve and I, Steve and I talked, um, oh, Steve, I, we started chatting back like end of mid April, May, right. Periodically. Right. And, when the, when the and, started. uh, yeah. I've always, uh, viewed Steve as, uh, as someone I can always rely on for help and, and, and under, and help me figure some things out. And I remember us talking, told me some things he probably doesn't even remember, but one of the big things was the, the, stay consistent in what you do every day. Yeah. Um, and it's not that I, it's not that I don't think people who are trying to do their best don't think about being consistent. I think it goes back to what you said, John, and, and related to 2020 where we got the rug pulled out from under our feet. And a lot of people didn't land with the mindset of keep being consistent every day with the things I have control of. 
Yeah. A lot of people landed with their hair on fire. They couldn't turn the news off. They couldn't think for themselves all of a sudden. They're in a corner in the fetal position. Yeah. And and I'm not talking about weak-minded people. I'm talking about right. people that you were like, what what is, what the hell? What what's wrong with you? Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. and 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 I and I was so appreciative of Steve's comments to me when I I I was I was laid off the end of March. And so I spent six weeks unemployed and the, you know, the first week I might've been a little bit of the hair on fire dude, because that rug, you know, it just gone. And I was not prepared for that. Yeah. And, but, you know, I, I, I got, I went back to my foundation. I went back to the things that I had control over what I, what's important. And, and I love that you said that you, you went back to your foundation. You, that from the question I asked, you used, it's all about the foundation. Because it is. Yeah. And, and, and I think that successful people, which you obviously are, is always about the foundation. I work in general contracting, so I build things. Yeah. And I, I tell uh, the, the design teams all the time that we work with, I tell the architect and, and architects usually don't like me, but I tell them, I don't care at all about your foo-foo walls and your colors and all that foo-foo. It's foo-foo. I care about that the engineering's done correctly. So then this building goes vertical, <laughs> that we are sound, we're solid, <laughs> and that I'm not going to prison because the roof's going to fall down and kill somebody because my name's on the freaking deal. Right. You know, and, and I know that's very external, like it's just building a building, but it's my life's work. And it's, it means a lot to me to say I built that building and there's never been an issue with, with safety or anything. It will, it'll withstand time because we built the foundation right. Exactly. And that I'm means glad, something. I'm so to, I'm glad to know there's people out there out there like you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a shady contractor, Miles. <laughs> you, just, you have no idea how glad that made me feel. Because um, <laughs> was an argument I always get in with people. You know, I love people who sit around and go, "I don't trust anybody," and, and, I'm, and <laughs> you, you don't realize that the car you got into. You oh had yeah. To, that they put yeah. the part in right. This yeah. building doesn't collapse. <laughs> so you don't realize how yeah. much you do trust people. You just don't yeah. know you. So to hear you say, I don't care what the building looks like. I want this fucker to stand tall. Stand. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that comment from the movie Armageddon where they're about to blast off. And he says, how do you feel we're sitting on three million moving parts put together by the lowest bidder <laughs> you know you know john when i had to start doing therapy it wasn't about price mm -hmm. because i exhausted all the stupidity e efforts that didn't accomplish anything yeah. and i came to an individual like you and said here i got i need help yeah i need help it's not about money. It's not, it, when you get to that point where you know that you're going to the right source to get the right kind of help, yeah. If it's about money, still, then you're just fooling yourself. Yeah. Wait, is this is this is this real? What we're saying? You know, you get somebody like me that's broke, and you go like, oh, "I'm five hundred dollars an hour. I, I I can't do it. <laughs> I have to stay sick." Well, you know, you, I guess you got to get better insurance, Miles. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you guys made it sound like that, you know, like I know Steve, you're spoiled. It's, it's lifetime. Or now, <laughs> but, you know, being around all these wealthy people who can go into a restaurant that's really expensive and they don't even have the prices on the menu. But people like me got to look at price. I Miles, you and I... You and I all day long got to look at price. I think the point for me, the reason I validate what was said is that you can always, you should be able to find the, the, the equation that makes it work for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so I, I definitely can't afford the $500 an hour person, but I can afford to hand, I can, I can get to the right person that I need, that needs, that I can get the help from. Yeah. And work it out to where financially and 
Oh yeah. It, work, it yeah. works. So, you know, I, 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 I'm glad you brought that up because no, it's, it wasn't like, Hey, let me max out this credit card just so I can go to the <laughs> top shrink in town. It wasn't so you can go ever. to John Cottrell. So I go to John Cottrell. So, but it, it, it's, it's, it's gotta be the, the emotion. I guess that's what I was saying is my, my intent behind my comment was the emotion got to the level of, look, I've exhausted my own ways. I think I can fix myself. Hey. Now it's time to really face, face the demons and, and be real. Yeah. And I, and you know, John, I know you've, probably seen this hundreds of times with your work, but I can't tell you, I, I can't, I can't even begin to explain the amazing effect your profession does for people. Oh yeah. Because I, I am one of millions who have sought out professional help. And I remember that night, the first time I went and laying in bed, I don't know if I slept because my mind was just blown away. I thought, I made a list, I don't know how long the list got, of all the people I knew and everyone I thought of, I thought, God, they need to do this. They need to go meet with a psychologist. And, and, it was, and it's interesting, my older sister, I told her that. I, I didn't say, you, you, you're going to go. I just said, hey, I had this amazing experience. I really think it would help if all of us went because of some issues we had growing up. And, and, uh, she's like, you know, I don't, I'll, I don't need that. I'll, I'm, you know, blah, 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 whatever the initial defense mechanisms are for that vulnerability. So fast forward about 10 years, she calls me and says, Hey, can you answer these questions? I'm like, well, what is this for? Well, I'm preparing to go see my psychologist. I'm like, Oh, so I said, you know, and, and I was, I had a moment of clarity and I didn't create sarcasm with it. I, I just was grateful that she yeah. had made it to that point. Yeah. John, John let, let's talk about that for a second. I, and I, I know we've got to wrap up. We're on time here, but you know, one last question for, for people who are resistant to getting help, resistant to getting partnership, resistant to change, resistant to coaching, whatever you want to call it. I don't care what the verbiage is. What, what advice would you give to people? Because I think all of us, especially, and, and I'm, I'm genderizing this so you can cancel me all you want. Guys, <laughs> we are the same in that we put this shit off way too much. I did yeah. when yeah. the first guy passed away on me. I don't know how long it was. I say a month, but I don't really remember if I'm being honest before I reached out to you. But, but if it was a month, it was a month of no sleep whatsoever. Like maybe an hour a night. We do this. We wait way too long. What, would, what advice would you give, John, to somebody who is waiting, who is in the fringes, who is in pain, who needs coaching, who needs help, who needs some therapy, who needs some yoga, some meditation, something in their life, what, what advice would you give to them? You know, I really honor someone's present position. And, and I, you know, as a person, as a psychologist, a yogi or whatever, you know, I don't want to push anyone into anything that they don't want to do at that moment. <clears throat> and so I just, I just want to honor and appreciate where they are right now, you know, um, but I might feed, you know, some seeds and the seeds might be things like, um, you have some good friends, you know, who do you hang out with? Who do you talk to? Going back to that question of what do you like to do? What are some of the favorite things you like to do? Um, so they can start tapping into the resources or we start at least start thinking about the resources that they they have. So in the moment when they have that light bulb moment where I got to get help, they have they have a place to go. They can go to a good friend who they've been able to confide in. You know, they have um, an activity that really kind of keeps their head on straight. You know, so I like to kind of kind of plant the you know feed the soil, so to speak, with, with the idea of, you know, what, what potentially could help you in the future, if you, if you should need it, you know, 
do you have do you have insurance you know <laughs> you know on a, yeah. on a, on a bigger yeah, set you know yeah yeah <laughs> so if something should happen you know can you call on that person can you go to that thing whatever it is um because it could be hard you know especially as a psychologist and have worked with people who are very resistant because I had I was working with some folks who had to go to therapy they didn't want to go to therapy they had to go to therapy mm. and so um so we really didn't talk about therapeutic things we just talked about well what do you you know what do you like <laughs> what do you do tell me tell me some life stories you know and they and that for them it got them into the the habit of just talking sharing <laughs> yeah it's a tough thing for a lot of people so if they you know and if they maybe want to tell me something or get to a point they where they might or trust me or whatever the case may be they've got a resource and it's like hey john i've been thinking about something you know <laughs> yeah go ahead and tell me you know because we've already opened the door for that yeah yeah so we want to yeah, be able to, you know i think lead folks whether it's our kids or spouses or friends you know, making sure they've got some some out some doors that can be easily opened if they're needing some kind of assistance in the future. The Sopranos first episode where this mobster, remember Tony goes to <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah just, he, he's really uncomfortable and he just it's impossible for me to be here. He says that. Yeah. <laughs> I love the feed the seeds thing because all of us are reluctant. We're reluctant to be vulnerable. Yeah. Even though healing progress and evolution happens when we allow ourselves to be most vulnerable yeah well john i you know i i've got great respect great love for you i appreciate you thank you for coming on to the involved podcast uh thank you for sharing your wisdom with us with our two or three listeners that are jumping on uh, <laughs> we really appreciate it um i want people to be able to connect with you uh, let's talk a little bit about where they connect with you. I know you have an amazing podcast called the Yeah Podcast, and they can find you on Instagram and anywhere else that they find podcasts. Now, the best episode is the one where I'm on, right? Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. No, but John, John, Abby, and Kate get you do an free amazing money, John. job um, of just creating levity and like we've talked about uh, before, there's, there is a need for humor in our society today. So John, you do a great job with that. Um, tell our two or three listeners where they can find you as well. All righty. So yeah, so the Yeah Podcast, that's our podcast. And it's just a positive podcast that doesn't take life too seriously. And we're on Instagram with that. And, and you can find us on any other you know podcast platform and and listen to us just kind of banter a lot of fun um how do you spell that is it yeah like y-e-a-h oh okay oh, yeah. the, i spelled it wrong the yeah that's podcast. not surprising Casey. <laughs> john if you haven't figured who the uh reason for my life on this podcast is you don't now <laughs> how, can, how can people get a hold of you john if they want to uh uh, get involved with you on your private coaching yoga. I know you do some online yoga. Um, you've also got M body clothing. Yeah. A lot of great stuff going on. How can people get in touch with you? I think the best place is I call it my hub and it's just my website and it's just johncottrell.com. Can you spell that for everybody? Yeah. J O H N John Cottrell C O T T r-e-l-l -L. so johncottrell.com it's just one word and it's kind of the hub of all things john you know it's it's where you can schedule appointments with me for yoga therapy or private yoga sessions find out what my yoga teaching schedule is right now it's all virtual mm -hmm. i'm doing a, a yoga teacher training program it's going to be online that starts uh, in january um yeah so and my and my clothing line is on there so it's it's and it's just called Embody, Embody Clothing. So yeah, you can find find everything, John, right there. There you I go. Love it. And there actually, before we leave, I, I, I took a lot of notes and I wrote the next title of your book, of your new book. Is gonna <laughs> oh, be, here you go. Here you go. Book number three, titled by Miles, book, Miles Riley. Okay, ready, go. John Cottrell's new book is called, Hey, You Left All Your Stuff Here. 
Tales from the Couch. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I wrote Ron, that down. That? All right. I wrote, I wrote that down because I've been trying to think of an, a title of the next book. I really have. Uh, and yeah. and hey, chapter one, chapter one is where's your purse? And yeah. where's your exactly? <laughs> chapter one, where's your purse? Where'd you leave your purse? You can't be leaving your purse. All your valuables in it, girl. <laughs> Don't leave your purse in John's office. Take it with you. Yeah. I think one of the things, you know, we talk about that at the Evolve podcast, but we just want to have a great time. Hopefully you get some stuff out of it. But John Cottrell, you have really uh, dropped a lot of wisdom for our, our uh, two or three listeners that we have here. You've done an amazing job of imparting some wisdom here. You've lived a great life of evolution and growth. We really appreciate you having, uh, or appreciate having you on. Thank you, my oh, friend. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's been an honor being one of your guests. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, so um, anyone that uh, wants to follow us at Evolve Podcast, Casey, tell them where to follow us here. Well, we are all over. So best way right now is to get on Instagram at, at evolve underscore cast. And as you do that, you will find all of us there and, and if you want to be as intelligent and sexy and worldly as I am, I mean, we are. <laughs> we got Miles, you. I'm in my garage. How worldly is that? <laughs> we, we, hey, hey. Steve Jobs and Wozniak started in a garage. Oh, there you go. There you go. Right. We've Amen. got the Evolve gear. We've got hats. We've got hoodies. There's more gear coming down the pipeline. Um, so give us a holler, pick up some gear and, uh, hang with us every week. We'll have really interesting guests and we'll have a lot of fun. Guys, thanks for listening in. And now it's their time to get out there and evolve. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Evolve podcast. Join us next week as we talk to John Dupree, a veteran of over 30 years in broadcast journalism. We discuss John's career his personal growth, his book, and also the change in major media over the past 30 years and how news affects us and the decisions that we make.